0: Happy Tuesday, everyone. As Matt said, uh, if this is your first time with us, we want you to know that you are accepted here just as you are. My name is Phil. I'm the pastor here, um, and uh, despite what Trevor told you last week, um, I was not at Casa Bonita. Um I I would not miss a Tuesday to take my family to Casa Casbon. Listen to the way I sound. Um, I sound like I'm from Colorado. It's fine. Uh, we. Michaela and I surprised our almost four-year-old Daisy with the trip to Disney World last week. Um, we left on Sunday really early in the morning. I think our flight was at like 6.40 or something. So we got Daisy up at like 4 a.m., which is by far the earliest she's ever been up in her life. Well, that's not true. <laughs> she was not newborn. I lied. Um, but, you know, the earliest that she has voluntarily woken up. And it wasn't voluntary. This isn't important. We walked into her room, and we woke her up, and we said, hey, like... We're going to Disney World. Daisy's been talking about Disney World for like almost a year. For a while, she was just watching YouTube videos of like people walking through Disney World, which I don't even know how she figured out that that was a thing. Um, It was kind of disturbing to me, but she was very excited about it. Uh, And I didn't think that we would ever go. We just sort of like talked about like, hey, yeah, maybe one day. My parents took me when I was like five months old, and that was the last time we went. Um, But Michaela was like, no. Uh, uh, Michaela makes everything magical and so she booked us a trip and so we woke Daisy up and one of my favorite things that's ever happened in my life was we told her like hey we, we're going to go to Disney World but we got to go to the airport first we're going to get on a plane we're going to fly to Florida and she just sat up and looked at both of us and was like okay but afterwards when we get back home we need to go back to sleep <laughs> which I just thought was such a great response <laughs> to being told like the most amazing thing in the world um, but we had a really, really magical time there. It's so much fun taking a, a almost four-year-old to Disney World because just everything was magical to her. She got to meet Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy uh, and Pluto, and it just, like, blew her mind. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, the, the, the weather was beautiful. It was, it was just a great time. And then we got home, and it snowed. Um, so uh, I wanted to say thank you to uh, everyone who made it possible for me to take a week off last week. There are lots of people that picked up extra responsibilities, um, so thank you for allowing me uh, some time away. It was really, really good. I feel, um, I feel refreshed and renewed, so thank you for that. Um, before we get into what I want to talk about tonight, I just want to take a quick second to pray for uh, what happened today in Texas. I feel like it's just stuck in the back of my mind, and I don't feel like I can <laughs> give this talk without at least acknowledging Uh, What's going on? So would you just take a second with me and pray? God, I, I, I mean, I largely don't have words, but I feel like it's important to acknowledge that the world is a really dark and evil place at times. And that is no more profound than what we saw today in Texas. God, I don't know. I have no idea what the answer is. But I know it's not It's not what you want. So, God, we pray for the families that are devastated and will be forever. We pray for that community. We pray for that school. God, we pray for the day when you as you were just saying, that you will shatter the bow and the spear. Again, I don't know what that means or what that looks like or how we get there, God, but I, I just pray you do it soon. Amen. So I don't... I don't really know how to transition back into a talk, but I'm just going to do the talk that I prepared because that's really all I know how to do. (laughs) Um, And it's not a very long talk. It's a pretty short talk. uh, But I want to start with a quote from the book that we're reading together. And it goes like this. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. I want you to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind because I think there's something really profound and important while seemingly obvious about this statement. So tonight we're talking about chapter three of Life Together, which is entitled The Day Alone, which is an interesting title for a chapter of a book that's supposed to be about community, right? In it, Bonhoeffer argues that true community requires regular times of stillness and solitude for the individuals that make up that community. Healthy community requires solitude. That seems counterintuitive, at least at first. But Bonhoeffer basically says, people who can't be alone and need to always be around others are usually avoiding something within themselves, and they're using community to try to fix their brokenness. Alternatively, people who can't be in community and and want to always be alone are also avoiding something and are trying to use themselves to fix their brokenness. Health is found in the balance between community and solitude. There's this interesting, like, symbiotic relationship between these two things. Uh, In stillness and solitude, uh, specifically what Bonhoeffer's talking about when he says that is, is time spent alone before God. In those times... We are loved and known by God, which pushes us into community to love and know others. And it's in community where we are loved and known by others that encourages us to further pursue and grow deeper into our personal relationship with God. They both need each other. They both develop each other. There's this symbiotic and cyclical relationship between community and solitude. We need both. All or nothing of either one is not healthy. Bonhoeffer goes on to say, and this is what I want to focus on tonight, that an important part of the time that we spend alone, apart from community, is time spent in solitude in intercessory prayer, interceding on behalf of others, praying for people in our community. I'm going to read this just chunk, this full quote from the book. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn or hate a sibling for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he or she causes me. Their face, that hitherto may have been strange or intolerable to me, is transformed in intercession into the countenance of a sister or brother for whom Christ died, the face of a forgiven sinner. This is a happy discovery for the Christian who begins to pray for others. There is no dislike, no personal tension, no estrangement that cannot be overcome by intercession as far as our side is concerned. Intercessory prayer is the purifying bath into which the individual and the community must enter every day. I really, really loved that when I read this. I think it's interesting that that he points out, and I think this is absolutely true, at least to m- my experience, that... When we pray for each other, it changes our hearts towards the person that we're praying for. Even or maybe especially when there is something broken in our relationship and we can't stand that person, our heart changes as we pray for them. And in doing so, this time that we spend alone praying for other people strengthens relationships within the community. This seems really obvious, right? I, and Bonhoeffer isn't just pulling this out of nowhere. There's examples all over the Bible of commands to pray for one another, examples of people praying for one another, examples for, of people asking to be prayed for. Uh, but there's a few script just verses that struck me that I want to share with you real quick. Uh, James five sixteen says, "Therefore con- confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective." Colossians 6 two, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ and first Peter 5 7 give all your burdens even the burdens that you are carrying for others to God because he cares for you now I don't want to be so simplistic as to say like see there's examples of commands to say that you should pray for one another in the Bible therefore you should do it good night everyone uh Beyond it being in the Bible, beyond it being something that we're called to do, praying for each other just makes sense. Like so much sense that I think it's so obvious that we kind of take it for granted. Like the fact that I'm even talking about like the importance for praying for one another is weird. But I also feel like it's necessary to actually talk about because it's so obvious I don't know that we do it. But it, it just makes sense. If you claim to love someone, why wouldn't you want to know what's going on in their lives so that you could pray for them? Why wouldn't you want to show compassion to them by bearing their burdens with them? Why wouldn't you bring those burdens before the creator and sustainer of the cosmos? The creator and sustainer of the cosmos, who has told us to cast our burdens on him because he cares about us? So intercessory prayer changes our hearts towards each other. It strengthens relationships in the community. It's encouraged in scripture. It makes sense logically. And in addition to all of these things, it just has a really surprising impact. I want to read for you a little excerpt of, of from a psychology article that I was reading about intercessory prayer that like totally surprised me. Uh, so at Duke University Medical Center, a study found that within a group of 150 cardiac patients who received alternative post-operative therapy, the subgroup that also received intercessory prayer had the highest success rate within the entire cohort. The fascinating thing about this is that it was a double-blind study, so neither the researchers nor the patients knew that they were being prayed over or prayed for. Same thing, a comparable double-blind study was conducted at San Francisco in their general hospital's coronary care unit Um, And it demonstrated similar results. Those patients that were prayed for showed a significantly diminished need for critical care, for maintenance medications, as well as witnessing fewer deaths. What do we take away from that? At the very least, if you have a heart condition, people praying for you makes a difference, whether you know they're doing it or not. That's incredible. What was interesting is this article immediately after this says, now, this doesn't, this doesn't prove anything about God existing. What this proves is that our minds can change reality through quantum mechanics, which I was like, that just sounds like a fancy way of saying God. Also pretty sure that's not how quantum mechanics works, but it's a psychologist, so, you know, they don't always understand. But if this is the case, if... if these kind of things, if praying for other people is so effective that they, they can heal more effectively, whether they even know that you're praying for them, why wouldn't we be praying for the people that we claim to love? So part of what it means to have a healthy community is individuals regularly taking time away from community to spend time in solitude listening to the voice of God, bearing our souls to him, and at least part of that time in solitude with God should be spent praying for other members of the community. So again, this feels really obvious, but TNL, pray for each other. Do you know what to pray for, for the people around here? My guess is that most of you don't. And I don't mean that as like a guilt trip or to make you feel bad. I just think that's the reality of where we're at right now. And I spent some time this week trying to think through like ways to address this. Like maybe we could have something online where people could post their prayer requests for everyone to see and we could be praying for them. Or like we could do like old school prayer chains in forwarded emails like our parents do. It's weird, but it works. It works. But, you know, i we are such a small church these days. I feel like any of those methods, there's nothing wrong with them. But I feel like they would short circuit what we're really after here, which is being in community, being in relationship enough to actually know how we can be praying for each other. So we need to normalize asking people around here how we can be praying for them. That shouldn't be an intimidating or like weird or awkward question. That should be normal. Normalize asking people how you can pray for them. Put yourself in situations where that conversation can happen. It's not just going to happen for you. Come to Thursday morning coffee. Come to Friday happy hours. Uh, Invite people over to your house or out to eat. Uh, Chat with someone before or after TNL. Put yourself in situations where you can normalize asking people around here how you can pray for them, and then do it. What I'm about to say is, is again, isn't meant to be a guilt trip. This is invitation. It's not meant to be a confrontation. I'm not trying to make anyone, um, I'm not trying to challenge you necessarily. This is an invitation. So if you're serious about being part of this community, start praying for each other. If you want to be a part of helping us pursue our calling of joining God to incite love, and reduce suffering and increase joy, start praying for each other. If you're serious about loving one another, start praying for each other. Because a Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. Let's pray. God, I am I'm so thankful for this community. God, I'm thankful for the gift um, to be able to know one another, to be able to carry each other's burdens, to be able to do something as simple and yet profound as pray for one another. God, I pray that you would open all of us up and soften our hearts so that we can know each other more deeply so that our love for you can spill into love for one another and love for the world. God, thank you for the gift and challenge it is to live in community, to be a community of people trying to reflect your love to the world around us. Thank you for everyone that makes up this church. May we care for one another like you care for us. Amen.